1: Locked on the box. I'm your host Kane Pittman, joined by the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And uh, Frank, actually, first of all, I, I was talking to Ben. That was the first time I spoke to, to Ben yesterday when we had the, the podcast. I know you've known him for a long time, so next time uh, we get Ben on, we're going to make sure you are here. So if anyone didn't listen to that one, that was a fun podcast yesterday. But Frank, I'm biased, and I'm happy that you're back.
0: Oh thanks Ken. yeah i uh we should probably i'll i'll reach out to our, uh andrew sharp because i've known andrew for uh a long time as well but, i mean ben and andrew were both uh came up through sb nation like myself right. um so i've known both of them a long time but i've spent a lot of time uh in in vegas with with andrew um so i i, I should bug him to have him on so we can have the other half of uh of the greatest, greatest of all talk, uh, on, uh, on this pod. Um, and it's fitting cause they are both, uh, you know, proud board members, <laughs> self-anointed board members of Giannis Inc. Uh, so they are pretty unabashed fans of Giannis. Um, although I'll be honest, Andrew's had his moments of weakness as far as buck support. I think he picked the Celtics hmm. last year in the playoffs, but we, whatever, we'll, we'll, we'll work that out with them. Um, but as for today, it's Friday night at 1115 central time. And all I can say is, viva les Bucks! <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Kane didn't know I was going to that. do that. Someone had to do it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have no other chance ever to say that. So I might as well get my uh, bad French jokes out of the way after the Bucks. Take care of business in, uh, in Paris, 116.103. Not, uh, not a work of art, but uh, yeah. So what else is new? Bucks win, Bucks win by 13 points.
1: Yeah, I mean, this one, uh, it took a while for them to, to finally put the foot down. They didn't take a lead until the fourth quarter when Pat Connaughton, who actually got inserted. I know we're going to talk about lineups a little bit uh, as we go here, but Pat Connaughton was inserted late in the third quarter as uh, I think Bud was just looking for an energy spark because uh, the Bucks were flat. I know uh, traveling overseas to play a game is obviously a unique situation, but we were joking about it last week, the day game, which uh, I know it was night over there. But 2 p.m. tip-off, obviously, here uh, in Milwaukee. So it it was a strange situation for them to be playing. And they played like they were playing a day game. There was plenty of turnovers. They weren't shooting the ball well. But uh, as they have uh, found a way to do almost all season, they (laughs) they can have a really... Uh, off night and not be at their best and still win by double digits—it's it's incredible. And even though the scores were tied heading into the fourth, they pushed away. Giannis had 12 points in the in the fourth quarter. Chris Milton had a you know, a really rare rough shooting night for him, but he comes up clutch, hits a couple of big late shots. Divincenzo hits a big three. And as you said, I mean, in the end, you look at the score and you say, yeah, that's a standard Bucks win. But there was there was a little more to this one
0: yeah for sure I mean it uh you know it's one of those weird things I think with a game like this as I was watching, you know i mean you kind of there's a big unknown factor playing uh, in on a different continent uh in a gym where none of these guys have ever played before. uh It felt like maybe the bucks were not used to those rims uh based on the the shooting performance, especially in the first let's say two and a half quarters or so um bucks finished ten out of thirty six from three. Hornets fourteen out of thirty nine, so twelve point deficit. Uh, if you're multiplying it out from three, and uh, Hornets also twenty five of thirty from the free throw line. Bucks eighteen out of twenty four, so they had an advantage both from three point range as well as from the free throw line. Obviously, we're used to the Bucks doing a good job limiting opponents from the free throw line, um, but you know ultimately the paint was where this game was won, and Giannis thirty points, a very I'd say pretty hard-working 30 points, 13 out of 19 in 32 minutes, 16 rebounds, six assists, a block, plus 16 uh, in those 32 minutes. I think he played something like the last 10 minutes of the game, yeah. um, which we've seen now, I think, interesting, given uh, you and Ben were talking about you know stretching Giannis out and playing him much bigger minutes in the playoffs. We've seen this a couple times now of late, Bud playing him longer stretches in fourth quarters and i I kind of wonder is this is this sort of a conscious thing to maybe just get him used to playing those those lengths because obviously just his nature the way he plays can be can be pretty tiring but um in this game he he missed a jump shot early in the third quarter that put him at five for eleven from the field. He finished thirteen out of nineteen, so you can do the math he hit his last eight shots of this game. And kind of was doing it in a bunch of different ways outside of three-point line. Only took one three in the first half and missed it. And then um, really didn't have like a lot of open looks. I can say the Hornets were trying to kind of slow him down from ever getting ahead of steam. Taking away the easy stuff from outside. And, um, you know, he ended up had a couple tip-ins. Middleton had a beautiful pass. You know, they always run that play when when they inbound it. And they run a screening action to try to get you know it's kind of like a pin down Giannis going towards the basket trying to throw it over the top to him and pretty much he's never open but Middleton found him on a really nice catch on one of those plays um and then we saw one of those I guess now patented uh you know wannabe Dirk you know middle of the lane fadeaway jump shots which suddenly he's really good at and he hit one of those in the fourth quarter as well so uh yeah I mean Giannis pretty much getting to more or less his season averages uh, after, you know, that first half looking fairly subdued. And Middleton, you mentioned, not a great night for him. Five out of 12, which isn't horrible. But 14 points, obviously not what we've been seeing of late, but nine rebounds, four assists. And as you mentioned, some buckets late, 12 of those 14 in the second half. And um, Eric Bledsoe, 20 points, five assists. He, he kind of cooled down a little bit as the game went on. But he was the one guy who seemed to really have it going uh, in the first couple, like two, three quarters of the game, when the Bucks were definitely looking a little lackadaisical, but I'm gonna I'm gonna tee this up here. I mean, to me, I, I tweeted this as well. Folks may have may have seen it. To me, the turning point of this game is late in third quarter. It's an all bench lineup, and we can you know ha- spare ourselves another conversation about all bench lineups <laughs> and whether we want to see those uh, you know in April, May, and June. Not really, uh, but in this game. <laughs> you mentioned Connaughton, uh, it's the lineup of, I believe it was Hill, uh, Dante, Connaughton, Corver, and, uh, Brooke, I think it was, um, that lineup, they miss a couple shots. I can't remember if they missed two or three shots, but they get a couple of rebounds, offensive rebounds and eventually have some nice passing their patient. Brooke Lopez finishes around the basket. Uh, at that point, it went from 76-69 to 76-71. and the Bucks scored another thir- another twelve straight points after that, stretching into the fourth quarter. As you mentioned, Conathan started the quarter with a with a dunk off a steal, um, and and that was really the turning point of the game. It was that bench unit coming in. Uh, Giannis started to get going a little bit in the third quarter, but um, you know, really wasn't the fourth quarter when he scored thirteen points. But uh, again, the bench unit really helping turn the tide with the energy of, you know, Connaughton only, what, two points today, only took one shot. But I thought his energy was really positive. He was a plus 14 in nine minutes. Corver um, hit a couple of threes in that second half, uh, nine points total. DiVincenzo was everywhere, steals, blocks. And this was the full Dante DiVincenzo experience, 8.7 rebounds, two assists, two steals, a block. Um, and George Hill, uh, only two out of six from three, but 16 points on 10 shots he obviously was just doing his George Hill thing again. And, uh, you know, I mean, this is why the Bucs are so good. Uh, even when maybe the 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 kind of higher build players um, of Giannis and Chris and Bledsoe, uh, well, Bledsoe was playing pretty well, but Giannis and Chris were, were not having great games up until that point. And it was the bench that basically gave them that spark that I think kind of turned the tide and turned, again, not that this was going to, definitely be a loss they weren't down 15 points but um they just could not get over the hump until that bench unit really gave them that shot in the arm
1: yeah i mean the bench units as you said i mean we spoke about them a lot and i still don't like the thought of those uh, five out or maybe, you know, one starter uh, uh, as it was Brooke Lopez in this case playing five, six, seven minute stretches in a, in a playoff game. That to me sounds like a bad idea, but uh, you got to give them credit. I'll tell you what they do do. Pat Connaughton is one of those guys that we saw today. We've seen him from Sterling Brown in the past and, and obviously DiVincenzo now who's well and truly entrenched in the, in the rotation. But what they can do is change the the course of a game in a, in a short burst, and actually give this team energy that sometimes they're lacking a little bit. And whether it's uh, today was a weird situation they were playing, sometimes it's, it might be schedule. I don't know. They're playing a, a team that they should beat and the motivation's not there. I'm not too sure. But those guys can really come in and change the game. And I thought, uh, uh, yeah, again, I, I thought Connaughton was the guy that did that tonight. And Dante, I mean, you mentioned the full <laughs> the full Dante experience. I mean, he had a couple of uh, miraculous plays in the second quarter. First, the block on Terry Rozier that ends up Uh, down the other end, and Bledsoe blows the layup, but Giannis is able to follow up and eventually uh, get a dunk. And then the one that was even better in that, when he cuts off the pass in the left corner, going uh, full speed towards the baseline, uh, flings around the back pass (laughs) perfectly to Kyle Korver, and then it ends up in Giannis's hands in transition. He's downhill. He gets the ball to George Hill, and he lays it in. I mean, I don't think there was two defensive plays that you could sum up Dante DiVincenzo's impact on the season, really, to this point, better than that. And again, I mean, it was, you, you looked at it at halftime. He had three points, two rebounds. Uh, I think that that's all he had on the box score from the, from the main three categories. And he was one of the more impactful players on the, on the court. He just he, he continues to just make big plays. And then to, to, to top it off, he hits the three when you're like, wow, I don't think the Bucks are going to lose this game. But Charlotte are close enough that we could have another weird Charlotte Hornets moment. Uh, where the game is a lot closer than it needs to be. He hits the threes. Said it before, but I kind of like DiVincenzo in big moments. one thing you know is he, he's not afraid anyway, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I want to go back to that block for a second because yeah. when you're, you know, 6'4 or whatever Dante is, he doesn't have like particularly long arms or anything. You're typically, I mean, he's a leaper, obviously. You're typically going to block shots because you jump and at the apex, of your leap is where you get your blocks um I, I mean that block he had uh he he basically just hung in the air for seemingly yeah. ever and he basically just out hung in the air like that, i don't know who it was if it was graham or malik monk or somebody um it, i think it was a, it was a guard i believe but uh he basically just like hung up in the air and it was like the other guy was like expecting him to come down and he just didn't come down and then finally he just kind of swallowed up uh, the the shooter uh, who was kind of attacking um, the basket. Um, that was just, it was an amazing block. And you already mentioned that steal. Uh, I mean, you know, somebody needs to put together just like a defensive highlight reel video of, of yeah. Dante because um, it, it's weird. It's like he, you know, we've gotten very used to Giannis flourishing in this sort of off-ball, free-safety type role defensively and you know the the Warriors did kind of similar things with Draymond where he just sort of like was just been this you know agent of chaos um largely off the ball but he could also defend against the post when uh, they went small and you know teams had big men in but um I I don't know yeah with with Dante it's like he's I mean I think he's gotten a lot better as an on-ball defender um but what he's able to do—just roaming, uh, passing lanes, helping out, uh, crashing the boards—it's uh, it's just really remarkable to see a guy contribute in the way that he does. It's just really atypical in a really impressive way. And and as you said, it's not often that you find you know six four shooting guards who can impact the game the way he does without shooting really or even, I mean, he's he's a solid playmaker, but, you know, he could have no assists and, you know, go one for five from the field, and you could still feel like he really made made an impact on the court. Um, he's just really been a really fun player to watch. And, you know, again, I think, knock on Woody, obviously that he continues to stay healthy and contribute. You know, he's never played this many games before. But, um, you know, just thinking back to the summer and, you know, before you joined the podcast, Eric and I, I mean, we were all, I think, worried again, secret Dante, you know, like we didn't, we didn't, he didn't play in summer league. You didn't really see any evidence. Like, is he, is he okay? Um, And so for him to, I think, just look physically as well as he has and translate that into real meaningful impact. It's, it's just been really fun to watch. And I think been, you know, one of the real main storylines of, you know, when you, when you think about how the bucks have been able to, you know, not miss a beat without Malcolm Brogdon so far, Um, you know, vincenzo stepping up into such a big role you know at times starting at times coming off the bench um you know to me that's that's probably the the biggest part of that storyline even though you've got other guys you know west matthews defending against good players you've got george hill shooting the lights out there's there's been a, a number of pieces to that storyline but um i think you know maybe the biggest one just as far as guys really stepping up from from last year's team it's to me it's dante is kind of the obvious guy
1: the interesting thing about the Bucks' defense, when I think about someone like Dante, and, and as you sort of pointed to, I mean, it's it's so chaotic, his movements. There was one play, uh, I can't remember exactly where it was, but I was just laughing, sitting on the couch, watching, because there was, there was twice on the same play that he flew for a block, left his feet, and it was ridiculous. Like, it looked absolutely ridiculous. But uh, that's the type of player he is. And it's interesting, when we spoke to uh, Bud last season about Eric Bledsoe, Bud's always a guy that's like super structured with what he wants uh, defensively in particular, but he did say, well, you know, Bledsoe's kind of got this unique talent that I sort of let him uh, do what he wants out there a little bit and play outside the rules because of the impact he can have. It's very clear that Divincenzo is another one of those guys. Uh, we've seen Pat Connaughton is, is is chaotic as a defender as well. At times uh, looks out of control, but can make those game changing plays still in Brown much the same when you have, a defense that is built totally around rim protection. We know what Brooke Lopez and Giannis are doing back there. And then they, they can obviously bring Robin Lopez uh, off the bench. They, they really have 48 minutes of really great uh, paint defense. I think it does allow for a few more mistakes defensively on the perimeter because even if uh, Dante does overcommit to these, these block attempts or steal uh, attempts when he tries to jump the passing lane, most of the time it just results in funneling someone into the paint anyway, where you, you have those two guys standing there. So I, I think the defense itself allows for a little bit of that. But one other thing I wanted to, to get to, and you, you tweeted about it, you had the numbers from from cleaning the glass. I'm, I'm sure you were going to get to this, but uh, they went with a, a kind of an interesting lineup to finish this game. Super small. I think playing the Hornets certainly helps that. Uh, you can go small against a team like that and also Charlotte has a bunch of of dangerous scoring guards we know uh, Graham started the game really well Malik Monk again uh, just plays the best games of his career against the Bucs for some reason but they went with Bledsoe Hill, Dante, Chris and Giannis Uh, what did you see from that group because we've spoke about this before and and that group in particular from the numbers that you tweeted hasn't been seen at all so uh, it was interesting
0: Yeah, and so Dante playing with, with Hill and Bledsoe, they've only played, coming in today, 40 possessions all season. And, I mean, it's kind of understandable, given that those three are pretty much the only guys who have been um, sort of the nominal point guards in Bucks' lineup. So, of course, you're not going to see them necessarily play all together very often. Um, And, yeah, it, it was interesting to see that group together because you can certainly see the appeal of that right because um all of them can make plays defensively uh and kind of do they do different things defensively i think you know hill and Bledsoe, i think are much more accomplished as just sort of straight up man defenders getting over screens um and dante i think is sort of learning that art and that craft and couldn't have probably two better teachers than than those two guys um but yeah i think it's an interesting combination and and again it, it, you you can't use that um, against every team, against every lineup, just because, again, you've got uh, a six-one guy, a six-three guy, and a six-four guy. So um, that's that. Those are small dudes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, as as you mentioned, you know, the Hornets, obviously, you know, their their base kind of closing group uh, has Terry Rozier and uh, uh, Devontae Graham, who are obviously two very small guys. So you know, they're used to playing small in the backcourt, and then uh, you know, with Monk. Uh, and and some of the other options that they have, um, they can play you know even smaller and kind of weird. I I didn't realize Malik Monk had 31 points tonight until um, mm-hmm. I was just looking at the box score. I didn't even look that far down the uh, 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 box score for the Hornets. They contained at least you know reasonably well Graham and Rozier. Uh, they they combined together for 32 points on 25 shots, which you, know, you can live with. And um, it was nice to see Eric Bledsoe uh, out duel Terry Rozier. Uh, his old nemesis from that Boston uh, playoff series a few years ago. So um, yeah, I mean, again, I, I don't think this was a oh the Bucks found their you know their new closing lineup or something like that. But again, I mean, especially when you're just boat racing the entire regular season, pretty much, um, you might as well experiment and try some different things. And I think when we think about you know what sorts of things the Bucks could do to experiment. Um, You know, I think that's playing guys who don't normally get to play, right? We saw uh, Dragan Bender got first half minutes again tonight. Uh, Only played six minutes, but, you know, seeing him actually in regular rotation minutes, uh, I think has been interesting and instructive, just giving the coaching staff a sense of where he is now versus where he was in the preseason. Uh, I think we've seen a lot of um, small ball lineups, you know, Giannis uh, and Ursan or Giannis and smaller lineups. Um, without a Lopez brother, um, which I think has been interesting. Um, I was looking at the numbers on that uh, because Giannis and Urson were playing together right before the bench group came in uh, in the third quarter that turned the game around. And, you know, last year, uh, Giannis and Ursan playing as the, big, the two bigs were like plus 17 points per 100 and like 700 plus possessions. So very good, obviously, yeah. right? This year, them together without uh, another big man, they're minus five points for 100 and like, I think like 300 possessions or something like that, which is obviously like horrendous for a Bucs team. That it's, has tough to have been, a,
1: it's tough to have a negative. Yeah, um, exactly. Right? Yeah.
0: It's it's hard to find negative combinations that yeah. have played, you know, reasonable samples on this Bucs team. And it's especially hard to do that when Giannis is involved because he's the best player in basketball. So it, it's just weird. And obviously, Ersan's had like a good season in general, right? So – Again, it, it's kind of interesting because I mean, on the one hand, you want to say, "Well, um, hey, bud, stop doing that because that combination isn't working." The flip side is, "Well, it worked awesomely last year in a much larger sample." And is there something different this year that you know dictates you can't play them together? I don't, I don't know. I can't. I don't know off the top hand, right? Um, so it just just kind of underscores, you know, again, when you look at lineup data, um, you got to treat it more as descriptive of what's happened rather than necessarily prescriptive of what you should expect moving forward. Right. Um, But, but yeah, it's just kind of an interesting thing, you know, and again, I always hesitate to kind of put too much into lineup data, especially five man lineups are are tough just because so few of them ever get really big samples. Um, But of course it is interesting just to look at, you know, okay, well, what groups have worked and, and what groups haven't worked. And, you know, as, as you mentioned that the group that closed um, which is, probably about as small as the Bucks can go reasonably yeah. um, with Giannis at center, Chris at the four, Dante, George, and Eric uh, at the one through three spots. Uh, I mean, I was like, I was looking at it. Cause I, we've talked about how relatively few times we've seen Hoy- Hill and Bledsoe finish together or, or play together period. Um, and so to see Dante out there as well. And on top of that, the, you know, Chris Janis combination, um, I mean, I was not surprised to see that they had not played it all together this season, that, that five man group. Um, but again, you know, I think it is positive to, to try different things. And even if, you know, those groups aren't like super successful um, I think it's at least a positive thing to, to get guys used to playing with different combinations. And you never know when uh, you know, again, if some team goes super small on you in the playoffs you may need to counterpunch, and and again, maybe that's a group that that ends up being one that that you go to.
1: I think overall, that's a that's a, that's a pretty strong five. Um, again, you need the team as you sort of pointed to going small, but offensively, you like what you got. You got all the floor space, and you need a bunch of guys that can get their own shot. I think it's a, I think it's a, it's an interesting group. Anyway, I'd certainly like to to see that uh, a little more. Uh, as we get to the back end of the season and see how they sort of uh, go together on the floor, but I, I just a couple of random numbers from uh, tonight. Now after this game, so we know the Bucks have the number one defense in the league. Their defensive rating now is down to one hundred one point two, which is now what that's three point two points per hundred possessions better than uh, the the second ranked Toronto Raptors. Which if you add another three point two to that, I mean that takes you to th- 13th in the league. That's the difference that the Bucks have at the top. So, I mean, the defense is just really anchoring this team. And we know that they're, they're potent offensively. And they have Giannis, who is averaging 30 points a game. And Chris, who's been super efficient. But the defense continues to impress. They held the, the Hornets only 32 points in the paint tonight, which was a, a dominant performance there defensively. And the other one, just from going back to something that you mentioned earlier, uh, I was looking this up after the game. I mentioned it a a couple of days ago in the podcast when I was talking a little bit about Giannis in the post and this turnaround that he seems more willing to go to now on the season, on turnaround fadeaway jump shots, he's 13 for 23 on the season. Obviously, that's a really small sample, but 56%. It looks like uh, this is something that he, in the last week or two, the last fortnight, has been wanting to do more and to give him another option outside of shooting those threes. If another team looks to close down the paint, uh, maybe that's something he can go to to open up his offensive game and diversify that. Uh, I, I always I, – I don't know why you ever question anything. I, I've said in the past that I thought the turnaround shot for him was was not really a great one because it just seemed unnecessary. He can walk into jump shots all the time. We always talk about the hook shot, something that he could look to use in the post, even though uh, he, he hasn't shown the ability to have that soft touch with those types of shots around the rim. But the fadeaway, if this is a weapon which uh, – Pretty much everything Giannis has tried to to bring into his game outside of free throw shooting uh, has become uh, a real weapon. I, I don't know why we should doubt that this might be a real thing.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, I think for the last two, maybe even three years, um, we've seen him try to introduce like these baseline uh, yeah, the baseline ones, He has had a
1: lot of success. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, the only the only reason I tolerate those are because they set up that step through play yeah, that we've seen yeah. him use a couple times um, where he like turns like he's going to shoot a fadeaway, and then kind of pivots uh, towards the basket. Once the guy kind of commits to it and he ends up getting a layup or dunk. Um, but, but that's, that's pretty rare. Uh, but I think, yeah, it has been interesting because he has shot a number of these uh, you know, step back um, shots from sort of the middle of the paint kind of going towards the center of the back of the, of the lane uh, in really the last probably three games, you know, it feels like Boston, uh, three or four games, I guess. Boston, uh, Nets, Bulls, and today he hit that one in the fourth quarter, uh, and it just it just kind of looks at ease. That just doesn't look like, you know, sometimes with his three point shot, you know, the the mechanics look kind of jerky, and you know he'll just miss badly and airball. Um, he just he always seems to kind of be. I don't know. He seems to have that that measured pretty well on these these fadeaways, which are not easy because he's often taking like really big steps and he's moving both laterally and backwards, right? Which is why these shots are are so difficult. Um, but uh, yeah, the fact that he's really kind of looked comfortable doing it is is very encouraging, I would say. And um, you know, I, the thing I like about it you know, when we're shooting from the baseline. I mean, I personally have never liked shooting from the baseline um, when I, when I have played pickup basketball. Um, It just, I don't know, like I like having the backboard as just sort of help my depth perception as well. I don't know, just optically, it's easy for easier for me. And obviously, you know, let's just say I have not spent, uh, I think I've, played one pickup game where there's been an NBA three point line on the court. So the short corner has not really been uh, anything that mattered to me since it was the same distance all over the court uh, on a high school three point line. So um, I, I, I totally like shooting from the center of the court and you look at Giannis' shot chart, our friend at all the bucks, uh, Dean had a uh, uh, p- tweeted out a picture um, that showed, I mean, Giannis has been so much more comfortable regard. you know, both, on shorter jump shots as well as out to the three point line. I mean, he really uh, has gotten comfortable shooting uh, from the center of the court. And that's also been the case on these, um, these step back shots. So um, again, I mean, you know, if he had that shot against the Raptors, well, they were doubling him anytime he got in the post. So I don't think he would have gotten those shots against the Raptors either Uh, last year, if you're trying to like figure out, okay, what does this shot mean for him? But um, you know, again, it is another sort of, Pressure release valve. Where even if you are able to, um, you know, keep him off, you know, basically prevent him from getting uh, towards the basket in the post, uh, it's obviously a shot that you really can't block, and um, he's obviously looked really looked really comfortable doing it, and has gotten some friendly bounces, which again is what I like about you know the fact that he's shooting it from the center of the court, just because. Yeah, you got a backboard that sometimes helps you out. And he's done a real nice job. He's not shooting like line drives at the you know fastballs at the front of the rim. He's getting the ball up in the air, getting some nice um, some nice touch on, getting some bounces over the past past week or so. So, uh, yeah, uh, something to watch. We'll see. I, it's funny. I remember a, a Raptors game probably like three years ago where he hit like two or three shots like that. And so I always think of that when he makes one because I'm always like, okay. I mean, he'll have, like, these random games where he just does stuff yeah. and then it, it doesn't happen. But, you know, it's kind of like four games now where it seems like he's really gone to that shot multiple times um, today, just once. But um, I don't know. We'll see. Bears bears, watching for sure.
1: Yeah, so the Bucs also, it's worth mentioning, they pick up their 40th win of the season, which itself is incredible considering we are not even through January yet, 40-6 and on the season. Uh, Miami actually just finished up watching the the heat go down a rare home loss for them to the Clippers so uh, the Bucs are now eight and a half games clear uh, in first spot in the east and the other thing to note was Bud picked up his hundred hundredth victory as Bucks coach so just the cool 128 record uh, for Bud since since coming on board with the Bucs that's uh I don't even know how to put it into words. Actually, to to mention uh, to to even talk up how well the Bucks are playing this season, the sort of historic pace that they're on, I, I don't know how to describe it. Sometimes I I feel like we don't uh, talk about enough how incredible they are. But I don't know how you I don't know how you do that. They just they show up, they win games by double digits, they keep winning, they they don't really have nights off. It's it's remarkable.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny. Like you you know, I think sometimes uh, I'll look at like a schedule and I've always sort of done this where, you know, you, you're looking at a schedule of games coming up and you try to do the math and say, okay, that's a win. That's a loss. That's a win. That's a win. That's a win. And you know, in reality with normal teams <laughs> uh, more often not, you know, some games you think you're going to win, you lose some games You think you're going to lose. You, hey, maybe you win. And with the bucks uh, you know, you look at that record against sub 500 teams, you know, one loss all season one, you know, one loss all season. Um, they just take care of business with such consistency against the teams that they're supposed to beat, and they've obviously also been good against teams that are good themselves. Um, and so it it just it, it's kind of crazy. I mean, watching this game today, again, I, you know, there was sort of the factor of, well, this is a weird situation where you're in another country and, you know, it's a lag and, you know, maybe you've had some some good times in Paris the past couple of nights and I don't know. Right. But, uh, but uh, I don't know, like, you know, I never thought the bucks were going to lose this game. It just felt like a matter of time before they kind of figured it out. And, uh, you know, again, credit to the depth of this team tonight. you know, even though Giannis ultimately did what Giannis does, um, you know, it was a big, big jolt of energy from the bench, including, as you mentioned, Connaughton, who hasn't even been playing lately. You know he only takes one shot, but it felt like he he was part of that that storyline and kind of helping helping turn this game around so um yeah, I mean what more can you say we're we're what forty six games into this now and um to say that you know we've we've talked about forty six bucks games and forty times we've been able to talk about uh, a win it's it's uh, just a remarkable <laughs> it's just a remarkable remarkable face.
1: So the other thing before I wrap this up, I should mention Giannis to the surprise of absolutely no one uh, all-star captain again, Uh, no real surprises in terms of uh, Chris Milton, not being a a buck starter. I mean, you could probably make some sort of argument to say that he's played to that level when you look at the other guys in the East, but we didn't really expect that that was going to be the case. So next Thursday uh, is the night to, to keep an eye on the reserves for the all-star game. Uh, I know, I, I don't think I want to really bring this up. Try Young is starting. Um, that is probably not approved by Frank Madden, but uh, you know, it is what it is. But Giannis is starting again. It's going to be cool. It makes the whole process fun. It makes the team selection uh, fun as well. So uh, second year in a row, uh, captain for, for Giannis, which is, which is really fun. All-Star weekend is fun now. There was For so long, uh, there was no Bucks representation at all. And now it's just automatic that you're going to have something to watch on that weekend. So uh, like I said, the Bucks end up, Like I said, they take a little while to get going, but they end up winning 116, one Oh three, pick up their 40th win 40 and six on the season. They're going to be coming back to Milwaukee. It's still a weird week this week. They play on Tuesday against Washington. Then they've got a few more days off and then just the game on Friday. So they have a little bit of time to get uh, adjusted back to us time, but uh, when we are in Paris, we don't normally do a, a weekend pod, but they're in Paris. I felt like this was, this was definitely worth the chat.
0: Yeah. I mean, what better way to celebrate, uh, the bucks being in, you know, one of the coolest cities in the world, than for us to stay up late at night on a Friday in our, <laughs> you know, homes that are not in Paris and talk about them. Uh, maybe it's underscoring how much we were not in Paris this week, but, uh, you know, whatever. I, I bought Girl Scout cookies last weekend, so I've just been sitting around eating Girl Scout cookies for the past 24 hours. So I mean, I've got I've got no real complaints. Bucks win, Girl Scout cookies. It's the weekend. You know, life is life is pretty good.
1: Yeah, it's late on Friday. We didn't have to contend with the Paris nightlife, which uh, the Bucks were able to overcome to get the win. But we will be back next week. As I said, building up to that game against the Wizards. But Frank Madden and myself Game Pittman we'll speak to you guys then